0: Section 1 of The Age of the Condottieri A Short History of Medieval Italy from 1409 to 1530. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pamela Nagami, M.D. The Age of the Condottieri A Short History of Medieval Italy from 1409 to 1530 by oscar browning chapter One, retrospect and prospect part One. in the first section of this history entitled guelphs and ghibellines the fortunes of the peninsula were traced from the death of the emperor frederick ii in 1250 down to the council of pisa in 1409 in the present section it is proposed to carry on the narrative down to the fall of florence in 1530 having arrived at the middle point of our long journey it will be convenient to cast an eye both forwards and backwards and to consider briefly the fortunes of the five principal states of italy milan florence venice rome and naples during these three momentous centuries we will shortly recapitulate the steps by which they gradually attained the rank of states and follow their destinies to the point where they are just about to merge into a common italy milan was the first of the italian towns to undergo the transformation from a commune to a country in the previous book we witnessed the rise of the power of the visconti and have seen how that power was eventually concentrated in the hands of one of its members, John Galeazzo. We have read how he destroyed his uncle by treachery, how he overthrew one after the other the little tyrants of the Italian towns, and how at length he was invested by the emperor with the duchy of Milan. In this new position he extended his power over Genoa, Bologna, and Tuscany, till at last Florence alone resisted his encroachments, and he was stretching out his hand to grasp the crown of italy death surprised him suddenly on september third fourteen o two and broke the thread of his designs his government had its brighter side he created a new state to meet the exigencies of the times he was obliged to make it his chief object to levy taxes to maintain his wars but justice was well administered and prosperity increased his centralised and autocratic government was effective for the projects it had in view he surrounded himself with men of letters he built the cathedral of milan and the certosa of pavia he was the first of modern princes anarchy followed upon his death filippo maria his son who reigned from fourteen forty seven is a most unlovely character he knew no other arts of government but those of treachery and cunning a coward shut up in his castle of milan he engaged in all the quarrels of the age and he always contrived to press the disasters of his enemies to his own advantage he defeated the florentines at Zagonara in fourteen twenty four often conquered by the venetians he as often renewed the war in the contest between anjou and aragon for the throne of naples he weakened each party in turn he gained his victory by the help of mercenary generals the greatest of whom was francesco sforza in fourteen forty one he gave his only child bianca in marriage to sforza and on his death sforza was able to succeed him sforza was a man after the heart of the fifteenth century a great captain an acute politician a mixture of the fox and the lion ready to shed blood if necessary otherwise a friend of impartial justice he founded a dynasty he conquered a kingdom which he left powerful and well governed he constructed public works he held one of the most brilliant courts in italy he died march 8th 1461 celebrated by men of letters as just great and magnanimous he had succeeded in all his designs but the state which he had founded had no internal strength it had been moulded by his hands alone and could be moulded anew by the hands of another galeazzo maria sforza the son of francesco was dissolute and cruel he was accused of having poisoned his mother he buried some of his subjects alive he squandered his treasures in useless festivities he was at last murdered on december twenty sixth fourteen seventy six in the church of santo stefano by three conspirators who had prayed to the saint that the blow might not fail to effect its object his uncle ludovico called il moro or the moor from his swarthy complexion ambitious timid and restless seized the dominions of his nephew galeazzo and played an important part in that enslavement of italy which we shall have to describe at a later period The history of Florence is a strange contrast to that of Milan. Throughout all the changes and vicissitudes of its fortunes, it kept steadily in view the preservation of liberty and the maintenance of democratic government. In 1293, the Ordinances of Justice struck a heavy blow at feudalism. The nobles were excluded from office, the city was governed by an oligarchy of merchants. The Arti Maggiori the more important merchant guilds had overcome the grandi, the nobles. Their activity and enterprise extended the borders and founded the greatness of the republic. In a period of peace and prosperity, the arti minori, the smaller guilds, were able to assert their power. But a too violent and unrestrained democracy paved the way for the predominance of the Medici. But the Medici did not, like the Visconti, gain their power by the arts of tyranny, they did not torture their enemies alive or give them to be devoured by dogs. They pursued a consistent policy for more than a hundred years and arrived at the summit of power by courtesy and firmness. In 1378, in the rising of the Chompi, Salvestro de' Medici took the side of the lesser guilds, and when the greater guilds and the Albizzi returned to power, alverardo de medici remained quietly immersed in money-making his son giovanni was the real founder of the fortunes of the house the medici always took the popular side they rose by securing a constant majority in the elections and as their power increased it seemed as if the republic was only assuming a more popular form the great cosimo succeeded his father giovanni in fourteen twenty nine at the age of forty enriched with commerce he used his wealth to increase his influence but he was careful to preserve the habits of a private citizen driven into exile by the albizzi he returned to venice where he was received as a prince the following year he was recalled to florence by the popular party and then threw off the mask he cast down all the powerful rivals who might stand in his way and raised his own creatures of humble birth to influence in the state For himself he never stepped out of the rank of a private citizen and held no office in state. He governed by means of a balia, a kind of caucus, composed of citizens devoted to his interests, who elected the principal magistrates for a period of five years. He remained in outward appearance a quiet and peaceable banker, devoted to his trade. He spent but little money on himself, but was profuse toward the republic he built churches libraries and palaces he founded the platonic academy he surrounded himself with men of letters and placed florence at the head of european culture he established intimate relations with foreign powers pope nicholas v and francesco sforza of milan were his devoted friends machiavelli and giudarcini all united in his praise for thirty-one years he maintained his power in this fickle and capricious town and deserved the name which he acquired of the father of his country lorenzo the grandson of Cosimo, was a man of very different character he was a bad man of business and left his bank to be managed by others he spent such large sums of money on himself that he deserved the appellation of the magnificent he reduced himself to poverty by his extravagance he alienated his fellow-citizens by his lust he recruited his private finances from the public treasury and was shameless in the promotion of his private favourites the means taken to overthrow him served only to consolidate his power the conspiracy of the pazzi came to a head in fourteen seventy eight it was generally believed to have been arranged in the vatican by the pope himself sixtus the fourth on april twenty sixth the two brothers were attacked in the cathedral of florence at the moment of the elevation of the host giuliano was killed lorenzo escaped the populace rose in tumult and put the conspirators to death lorenzo found himself powerful enough to weaken his enemies for ever and seized the opportunity to change the form of government instead of the ballia a council of sixty was appointed in fourteen eighty it was co and was indeed a balia with larger powers the republic of florence henceforth existed merely in form lorenzo de medici was a tyrant but a more attractive and winning tyrant cannot be imagined the city was never more rich and more prosperous lorenzo was not only the protector of literary men but a distinguished man of letters himself without an army to support him, without any legal or constitutional position, he not only governed Florence and Tuscany, but held the balance of power in Italy. His enemy Sixtus IV was dead, and his successor, Innocent VIII, was his friend. The enmity which raged between Ludovico il Moro and Ferdinand of Aragon enabled Lorenzo to keep both of them in check. But his power had no elements of stability. It was likely to fall with its author. Lorenzo had sacrificed the interests of his people to the interests of his family, and his family could only maintain their power by establishing a virtual sovereignty. Venice exhibits a type of government different to those either of Florence or Milan. Florence, beginning with the rule of an autocracy, became gradually more and more democratical and submitted at last to the despotism of an individual venice by degrees consolidated the government of a close and jealous oligarchy venice from its foundation was untouched by any admixture of german elements she knew no emperor and no feudal aristocracy her distant commerce her vice-ducal governments were from the first favourable to the growth of a rich merchant class while the common people were kept well employed at sea it is unnecessary to recapitulate at any length the changes of constitution which have been already described in full it has been shown how the power of the doge was gradually limited on one side and that of the people on the other how the Maggior concilio or greater council became the dominant power in the state how it was confined at last to certain favoured families How the resistance of the great nobles was suppressed and the oligarchy confirmed by the council of ten pisa and genoa were the natural rivals of venice in the field of maritime trade but pisa was destroyed at meloria in 1284 and the genoese were finally conquered at chioggia in 1380 from this epoch a new period began venice hitherto engaged in extending the limits of commerce and civilization further and further to the east was now pressed by enemies on both sides on the west she had to contend with the despot of the lombard plain on the east with the growing domination of the turk in defending herself from abroad she did not always employ the most exalted means beginning with the conquest of padua and the destruction of the family of the carrara she gradually increased an empire on the mainland, the terra firma of her historians. The fifteenth century, which was an epoch of decadence for the rest of Italy, opened a season of glory for the Republic of the Lagoons. She was the bulwark of Christianity against the advancing Moslem. Step by step, she disputed the ground against the invader, and developed in this unequal and hopeless struggle the highest qualities of heroism and devotion. For the first and last time since ancient history, a city attained to the rank of one of the great powers of Europe. The strength of Venice might have sufficed for these efforts had it not been exhausted by other struggles. In 1426, under the doge Foscari, began the war with the Visconti, which lasted till 1447. It was carried on with the greatest energy. Carmagnola and Carrara were beheaded between the two columns on the Piazzetta of St. Mark but the triumph of venice was short-lived and the capture of constantinople in fourteen fifty three dealt her a mortal blow the turks advanced under mohammed the second negroponte kaffa and Scutari were lost in turn venice had to maintain the fight single-handed Toward the end of the century we find the republic occupied by internal interests involved in the intrigues of italian politics no longer caring to be the guardian of the peninsula against the invader or of Christianity against the infidel. The discovery of America, the doubling of the Cape of Good Hope, deprived her of her ancient commerce. She was no longer the link of union between the East and the West. Her territory was still considerable on the West, where it was bounded by the Ada. She possessed Ravenna, Cervia, Faenza, Imola, and Roveredo she held dependencies on the Adriatic coast of Naples. The loss of external power brought with it, as it often does, the canker of internal corruption. The state was governed by a city, the city was governed by a small party among the citizens. Extravagance and luxury increased with gigantic strides. Egoism took the place of self-devotion. Such was the position of Venice when it had to face Europe, a raid against it in the league of cambrai end of section 1